0: Welcome to our gathering tonight. Here we share stories of ordinary people who
1: have experienced extraordinary things. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to the Campfire. I am Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. Now, if you are new to the show, what do we do here? We have true stories of the supernatural. Could be cryptid creatures, could be ghosts, could be UFOs could be head scratchers, could be communication from a loved one who is passed on. But whatever these stories are, they are fascinating. Sometimes they're creepy. Sometimes they're chilling. Sometimes they're very heartwarming. And they are all real and they are here. And we're so glad to have you on the campfire. Now, that message is for people who are new to the show. If you are not new to the show and you are a repeat listener, you came back. So I think you like what we're doing and what the storytellers are saying. So please subscribe or follow wherever you listen, whether that's Apple podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, please subscribe or follow different places. Put it differently. Make sure that you never miss an episode. And I got to be honest, that helps us incredibly with the charts and more people who find the show. And then we have great storytellers because we have more people listening. So everybody wins. So subscribe or follow wherever you listen. We appreciate it. And now on to one of those great campfire stories. Heather is on the line from Atlanta, Georgia. So glad to have her on the show. And she's going to go back to college and tell us about a story that starts with Ouija boards, as so many of our stories do. Heather, welcome to the program. I know your friend uh, Kyle told you about the show, so we'd like to thank Kyle if he's out there listening somewhere. And please tell us what happened.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. So I had a friend back when I was in college, this is probably about six or seven years ago now, who she loved to play with Ouija boards. She had about three of them because one isn't enough, right? So my old roommate and I, we would go over every so often and they would play with it. And so we were like, well, let's have like a positive influence while they do that. Cause I would never touch one. Um, but there was one day that we had been over and she had been playing with it earlier in the week. And so it goes into the weekend and my roommate had been gone. Uh, she was going to be away for the weekend, uh, visiting her family. So I was the only one in the apartment. And um, it was a time that I wasn't allowing my cat to sleep in the room with me because he unfortunately had fleas at the time. So I had the door shut and the townhome was probably built in the 60s. So it had settled enough. It took a while to get my door open. I fell asleep perfectly fine, uh, but then woke up about 4.30 in the morning. I remember looking at the clock and it was immediately I knew that somebody was in my room, which was weird because, you know, I was the only one there. And so immediately I rolled over and pulled the blankets up over my head. (laughs) And um, the moment I did that, I felt something sit on me. And what was weird about it is, and I've explained this to some people who have felt the same sensation. It wasn't like a physical feeling. It was more like a weighted tingling, but it was definitely something there. It actually took the breath out of me. It scared me so bad. (laughs) And so I was sitting there and then, I remember after about a minute, I said, in the name of God, leave. And it immediately got off. But I felt like that whatever was there, that every time I opened my eyes, it was going to be right in my face. So I essentially ended up uh, staying awake the whole night. Um, I texted a friend of mine early the next day. And she was like, why didn't you call me? I was like, it was four in the morning. The funny thing is, the friend that I had texted about it had had a similar experience uh, just three months before. She had been laying in bed. And she woke up around 3 in the morning and felt that somebody was in her room. And all of a sudden, she rolled over onto her side as well and then felt something behind her almost shove her out of the bed. And so those were t- kind of interesting experiences that we had both had that, you know, she was like, well, why didn't you call me when this happened? <laughs> um, but it had been 4 in the morning. So that was the probably the first time I had ever encountered anything paranormal. and. Um, I give ghost tours now, Brian. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's kind of just become a part of my life. And of course, I have, we've had plenty of things happen on the tour that, you know, we can't explain. And after this incident, I had plenty more happen because of course, I was still best friends with that, the the friend of mine that had Ouija boards and we experienced some very strange things. But I will say that was the last time that it scared me as bad as it did. Because after that, it was just more kind of like, oh, okay, that's what this is.
1: Now, what are, what's your philosophy on Ouija boards?
2: So personally, I believe that it can open a door. They'll keep you coming back until something can come through. And that's just my based on my experiences with my friend that would play with things. Um, I mean, there was even one time she was like, yeah, you know, these kids follow me around that I contacted one time. And they ended up not being children. So (laughs) uh, they turned into something else pretty nasty. So it's I've never seen them as anything good it always ends up being something a little negative that can come through, but they will keep you coming back until something can get through.
1: Very interesting indeed. Well, Heather, it it certainly doesn't seem like it turned you away from the paranormal. You're doing ghost tours now. So, I mean, (laughs) it it seems to maybe to have deepened your interest.
2: It has, but I think what deepened the interest was the fact that that was the last time it scared me as bad as it did. And afterwards, it's just been kind of like, okay, I know it's not going to scare me away now. You know, let's see what's out there kind of thing. So yeah, it definitely hasn't scared me away, but it's kept me curious.
1: What do you think ghosts are?
2: Especially with like residual haunts that we talk about on our tour, I think it's echoes of the past. Now, when it comes to spirits, I don't have a solid answer, mainly because the majority of the ones that I've encountered have been negative, which leads me to believe that it's demonic encounters and um, activity. But Like on the tour, I've had experiences where it's nothing malicious. It just kind of does its thing, but it's clearly intelligent. So I'm kind of, you know, on the fence trying to figure it out. I don't have an answer, but the main thing is I've I've dealt with more of the negative than I have the positive.
1: Well, even though we don't have the answers, Heather, it's fun talking about it. It's fun trying to figure it out. And thank you for coming along with us on that journey tonight on the campfire.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
1: Kelly is on the line from Pennsylvania, and she has, well, one of my favorite kinds of stories, a head-scratcher, and uh, it sounds very, very interesting. Kelly, welcome to the program, and tell us what happened.
3: Okay, Jim. Well, at least about 10 years ago, I was previously married, and me and my husband at the time, um, he was from upstate New York. So we would go up every year for the 4th of July and go camping. We were about 10 miles from Canada. And it was just this really little campground. It was maybe five or six cabins. And my father-in-law at the time knew the guy real well. So he had been going up for like 30 plus years. So we had started going up. It was a tradition and always a great time no matter what. And this one year we went up. And it was raining. We were in a tent. (laughs) So it wasn't the best first night to be there. But the next morning we woke up and some of the people in one of the cabins decided to vacate. So we were offered first dibs on the cabin. So that night, like we got settled in, we were out around the campfire and everybody decided, oh, we're going to go ahead and turn in for the night. So my father-in-law had already gone to bed, and I went upstairs and got all tucked in and ready for a good night's sleep. And I was listening to my husband at the time and his brother just kind of talk and catch up. And it it gives me chills to actually talk about this (laughs) because to this day, like I still get really freaked out. But I'm laying there and all of a sudden I heard this noise and it sounded very, very human, but I don't think there's any possible way that a human <laughs> could have made a noise like that where we were at. It was just this really shrill scream. And honestly, like it just reminded me of like if somebody was being tortured, it was just terrifying. And the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I shot up and muttered a few choice words (laughs) to myself. And I just sat there because I didn't even know what to really think. I've been camping my entire life and I've never in my life (laughs) heard anything remotely like this.
1: That sounds really creepy. So not only is it a head scratcher, it's kind of, I think you said this in your email, it's also kind of a cryptid story too.
3: Yes. Yes. So what was funny about it was when my husband eventually got upstairs, I had asked him if he heard that and He was just like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know how you didn't hear that, but okay, whatever. (laughs) So I did my best. We went to sleep. And a couple hours later, we were awoken to the same noise. And he shot up and I won't even repeat what he said. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. But he finally, he was just like, oh my God. And I was like, that is what I was telling you. (laughs) So... We finally got, somehow we got back to sleep. Like I was terrified to even look out a window (laughs) or like I was a little nervous to even get up to go to the bathroom because I didn't, I just didn't know what it was. And my mind was just like going a hundred miles a minute. So the next morning, you know, I didn't say anything to anybody. I just, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm a nut job. (laughs) So I didn't say anything. And um, my father-in-law actually brought it up. And he pulled me aside. He was like, hey, you know, I I heard this weird noise last night. I've been coming up here for like 30 some years and I've never heard anything like it. So we just kind of started joking around saying it was a Sasquatch. So we had like an ongoing joke. Well, a couple nights later, we were back home. And it was actually when Monster Quest first aired. And it was the, I believe it was the first episode that was about Sasquatch. <laughs> so we were watching and they had what was supposedly a recording of a Sasquatch. And it was exactly what we heard <laughs> when we were up there that weekend. It was crazy. Like me and my husband just looked at each other and were like, you, you can't be serious. And, you know, it was funny because it was filmed. Um, I believe it was on a private Island up in Canada. And we were only about 10 to 15 miles from the border of Canada when we went camping. So it was kind of like an ongoing joke because we never heard it again. We've never heard like, I came home and I listened to every animal I could think of and like tried to listen to their sounds and we just could not find anything that was remotely like it.
1: Well, I've got to say, you know, a lot of times I find myself a little skeptical about the Sasquatch stuff. And I've even said this on our plus club. I do a show just dedicated to this sort of thing, the cryptid report where I interview people, authors and things about their research about different cryptids and i, I say of all the kind of things we talk about on the paranormal podcast and the campfire and so forth the cryptids are maybe the one that i'm most skeptical about but just when i reach that edge and say oh nothing like that exists then i hear a story like yours and that's the reason that i've kind of held on to the possibility that something like this really exists because of people like you or people of goodwill who uh, seem extremely reasonable and say, "Hey, I know what I saw or I heard. You know, it is what it is. It, it happened. Uh, it happened to me." So, again, thank you so much for being a part of the show today and in sharing this story. And uh, I, now, it hasn't scared you away from camping, has it?
3: Oh no, no. I, I was hesitant for like a little while, <laughs> but it it didn't. Like it was just kind of. Because I was kind of the same way. I can be skeptical about anything cryptid. But that kind of really hit it home for me. Um, but now I still, I'm always, I'm an avid camper. So it did not scare me away. If that's what he was trying to do, it did not
1: work. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly is tougher than that. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on the campfire tonight.
3: Well, thank you very much, Jim. Have a good night.
1: Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Best Fiends. And if you're looking for a fun way to pass the time while engaging your brain and enjoying breathtaking visuals and a gripping story, your answer is Best Fiends. Because Best Fiends is a casual game that anyone can play. It's made for adults, but you can spend as much time or as little time as you would like in the game. And that's what I love about it because I love being able to pick it up Regardless of where I'm at, I'm at the doctor's office, I'm at the accountant, (laughs) waiting for the accountant, we're coming on tax time, whatever it might be, I can grab a quick game of Best Fiends, de-stress a little bit, and then go about my day. And the thing about Best Fiends is it's unique and exciting. It's a puzzle experience, unlike the other puzzle games out there, and they update the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old. They, they really treat the game as a service for their players. And it doesn't require the internet to play. It's great for traveling. So if you're on a plane and you don't have Wi-Fi, or if you're in a place with bad data covered, doesn't matter. You can play a game anywhere with Best Fiends on a plane, subway, it goes on and on. Now it's a lot of fun. You can collect tons of cute characters and use them strategically for each level. It's a lot of fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. I know Dar, my wife is absolutely a huge fan. She's playing it all the time. She said, "Tell everybody I love that game and I love it too." So you got to check it out. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with more than 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Thanks, Best Fiends.
0: You're listening to Jim Herald's Campfire.
1: Well, Deanna is on the line from Maryland. We're so glad to have her on the line. She said she didn't realize she had a ghost story to tell until she was in her mid-20s. She's going to share it with us now. Deanna, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us and tell us what happened.
4: Thanks, Jim. Yeah. So um, my story happened when I was about nine years old and I was at my friend's house. We were playing outside um, in a creek that was kind of behind her house and we'd always just find fun stuff to do out there no matter what the season was. Um, and so uh, today, though, that particular day was a little bit different. Um, we could um, hear someone humming and singing um, and as they were kind of coming Closer to us, um, we started to call out, hello, hello. And um, so the humming stops and um, a little boy starts talking to us. His name is Tyler. um, and He's a kid like us. But we were really, really confused at this point because we couldn't see him. Um, We kept asking him where he was. And he told us over and over that he was like standing right in front of us. None of us were scared. Um, We were just really, we just could not understand why we couldn't see him. And we just felt very confused. Um, You know, as a kid, it never, ever entered my mind that this was like a really, like this was really wrong. Like you shouldn't be able to talk to people that you can't see. (laughs) It was just, he was, he was just not there, but we were just, we were just confused. So eventually the conversation with Tyler was kind of harder, more difficult to have. Um, he stopped answering our questions um, and kind of started up his, his humming and his singing again. Um, and so and as he was, singing, we could hear that, that, that his, his song kind of traveling farther down the creek away from us. Um, and so we were, we were calling after him um, to come back to us. Um, and then we hear someone um, across the creek from us walking down through the leaves. This, I, I, this happened during the fall time, I guess. Um, but we could hear someone, you know, just the sound of someone walking down through the leaves to us. Um, and so we were like, hello. And so a woman answers, um, and she asks us, have we seen, um, her son, Tyler? And we were just really emphatic. We were telling her like, yes, we just talked to him. He was just here. Um, but he, he, you know, he walked, he went away from us. Um, and we were, again, we were like, but where, where are you? And she because we could not see her either. Um, and she, she, again, was just very emphatic. She's like, I'm right across, I'm right across the creek from you girls. And it was, I mean, very obviously like a mother, a woman's voice. And again, we were, we were not scared. We were just so like, we're, we we can not see you. Like you're blending into the leaves. It just, it, it was just such a confused feeling, but no, no fear. And, um, and so eventually she, um, she stopped communicating with us as well. And so every time we would go back out to the creek to play, we would always call for Tyler, but he would never, he never came back to us. So that was my, that's my little ghost story. And <laughs> as an adult, when I would think about it, I would freak myself out because I would realize like, oh my goodness. This is that, that should not have happened. <laughs> that should not have been. Um, but it was. And I actually, um, just recently shared the story with the medium, um, who kind of had a, you know, kind of some more connection to, to those who have passed on. Um, because I've done, I've done a ton of research, um, you know, in that area of the town, um, where I, where I'm from. And, um, there's nothing about a missing boy or, you know, any kind of mysterious death or any anything like that in, in any of the, the uh, newspaper archives. Um, and so, um, but this medium felt like she kind of got a sense that perhaps this was some kind of a game that these two played during life. Um, she's like, I, I have no idea why why they're continuing to play this in, in the afterlife, but, um, this is just something that they used to do. And so that was, I mean, that's kind of the, my only answer I've ever gotten to what in the world was. that.
1: (laughs) Well, Deanna, it looks like to me, this is uh, encouraged you to uh, delve deeper and listen to shows like the campfire and, and try to figure out what's going
4: on. Absolutely. Yes. It's it's so it's so interesting and so intriguing. I just I just love thinking about this stuff. It's just a wonderful just mystery that makes life so like, huh. Well, this isn't all there is, but I don't know what you know, I don't know what all this is, but it's interesting. It's something.
1: I couldn't agree more. Deanna, thank you for joining us today
4: on the campfire. Thanks, Jim. Next up on the line is
1: Mimi from Seattle, Washington, and she's going to tell us about an orb visitation and what happened after that. Mimi, welcome to the show. I know you're also a podcaster at the end of the call. You're going to tell us briefly about it. But first, tell us about this orb visitation.
5: Okay, thanks, Jim. Well, one night I was having really bad jaw pain and I was very concerned about how this was going to affect me, especially long term. And so I went to sleep that night as usual. But then, you know that feeling when you're asleep and someone's standing next to your bed looking at you and it actually causes you to wake up? That's what I felt like. And that feeling that someone was standing right next to my bed I know Rupert Sheltrake has that book, The Feeling of Being Stared At.
1: Yeah, The Sense of Being Stared At, yeah.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it was that same sense, like when someone's staring at the back of your head, but this was, I was asleep and it was next to my bed. But instead of a person next to my bed, I woke up to see this orb. And I would describe it really similar to the bubble that Glinda from The Wizard of Oz would float in on, only it was closer to the size of a grapefruit. And so when I woke up and saw it, it startled me and it seems that my startle response actually startled the orb. And it really reminds me of that scene in E.T. when Drew Barrymore screams and then E.T. screams and they're both kind of freaking each other out. So when I was startled, the orb literally pulled back a little and then it whisked itself away and floated out the balcony door. Never mind that the balcony door was closed. Off it went. But the really amazing thing was that the moment it left, I noticed that 80 to 90% of my jaw pain was completely gone. And I realized at that point that it must have been giving me some kind of a healing energy. And so now I was really bummed out that I scared it away before it was done because I felt like it got to 80, 90% because it hadn't finished because I woke up and scared it away. And since then, I've actually asked it to return many times. And I don't know if it has because it's possible maybe I've been asleep and not woken up and not known that it's visited, but I haven't woken up to find a visit like that. And I've also not had any kind of waking encounters with orbs since then, but I have seen them in photos.
1: Now, what do you think it was?
5: I've speculated on this. At the time, I was reading a book by this healer named Echo Bodine. She's a... Oh, yeah. she's
1: She was a guest a long time ago on the show.
5: Yes, I love her. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, was I maybe mentally or telepathically somehow connecting with her? Because in the book I was reading, she was talking about healing hands work that she had done. And so I thought, did I somehow unconsciously ask her for help? And maybe that was some sort of spirit form of her coming in? Or is this just an orb that is not a person or not a spirit that's just an entity that floats around and like a healing fairy that helps people or is it some kind of angel or spirit i i've speculated all of those and probably a couple more i'm not thinking of but whatever it was i am so glad i had that experience and and i don't really know what it was
1: well, I got to tell you, it, it, things happen and this world is a far, far more mysterious place than we know. So I think, and, and that's the thing about the campfire, people think it's just ghost stories. And I recently changed the artwork to say true ghost stories and more because that and war is really important because there's such a wide breadth of experiences and we want to capture them all. So we thank you for sharing your story. And I, in our discussion before, I understand you too are a podcaster and you have a podcast. Can you briefly tell us about it and where folks can find it? Sure.
5: It's called The Dream Detective Podcast. I specialize in working with dreams, but I also interview people on mind, body, spirit topics in general. And one thing I forgot to mention when you asked me what this might be is I don't know if it could have been a deceased loved one that came back in a spirit form because I actually just finished recording an episode about after death visitation dreams. So people can find the the podcast on my website, thedreamdetective.com, or they can type in the show name, The Dream Detective, in any of the podcast apps.
1: Well, I, I got to tell you, it is really, really interesting. There's so much under heaven and earth. It's just uh, just fascinating indeed. Mimi, thank you so much. I hope people check out your podcast and thanks for being a part of the campfire tonight.
5: Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. It was a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Circle and Circle is the award-winning way to manage your family's online time across all their connected devices inside and outside your home. Now, if you're a parent, you know that kids are tough negotiators when it comes to screen time. And if your kids hear five more hours when you say five more minutes, well, you could use some help. And I think Circle is the answer with Circle. Parents can filter what content is allowed, set limits for screen time, monitor history and usage, and even reward kids for good behavior. And I love that because, you know, maybe you give your child 45 minutes screen time and they bring home a good report card. And, you can make that an hour and a half or maybe an hour and 15 minutes. So it's a good thing. It's positive reinforcement, and I think it's great. It's super easy to use too, and that's really important. You just plug Circle Home Plus into your router, download the app, and you can keep track across every connected device from laptops, phones, and tablets to smart TVs, streaming devices, and video game consoles all from one place. I gotta tell you, I wish that they had Circle When my kids were younger, it would have been such a relief, but they have it now and you should check it out. And it's not just me. Circle has been getting rave reviews from outlets like the Chicago Tribune, People, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and many more. I think it's great. I think you really, if you have kids in your home, it will make your life so much easier. So get this right now, our listeners get a limited time offer of $30 off a Circle Home Plus. When you visit meetcirclecom slash campfire and enter campfire at checkout. Again, get thirty dollars off when you visit meatcircle.com slash campfire and enter campfire at checkout. That's meatcircle.com slash campfire and enter campfire to save thirty dollars. You'd do anything for your kids. Do something easy that'll keep your family on the right path and get circle. Thanks, Circle.
0: You're listening to Jim Harold's Campfire.
1: Joe is on the line. He is a return caller. You remember last year, he had a great story about being rescued by a mystery figure when he was stranded in his car, and now he returns to give us uh, a UFO story. Joe, welcome back to the show, and and tell us what happened.
0: Yeah, great to be back. So this takes place back when I was in high school. So this is 2000 and. Eight two 2009 maybe, I had a, uh, one of my elective classes I took was astronomy, so one of our semester assignments was to choose a constellation and chart how it moves throughout the sky throughout the semester, you know, due to the rotation of the earth and everything. So what I would do is at 1030 each night, near where I lived at the time, there is a park that has really, really tall hill that I go to on top because it was clear of all the roofs of the area and there wasn't a whole lot of light, so you can see this sky pretty clearly. Well, this night, I go out there, and you know I'm charting my stars, doing the usual routine, and I see this light off of the distance, and I didn't think much of it at first. Initially, just, oh, it must be an airplane or something, or even a satellite. It was pretty far at the time, but it gets closer and closer, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and I really started to take notice, and I'm watching this, and the first thing that made me think, okay, this is not just an airplane is it was just a solid blood orange light. It wasn't any blinking lights, no flashing lights, no reds, no blues, nothing like that. Like you sometimes see an airplane, it's just a solid orange light and it gets closer and closer and it's getting bigger. And if you're to hold something up in the air to like judge the size of something, it was at least half the size of my fist. It was really large. And the shape of it you know, it was it was an odd shape. It was the only way I can describe it is if you have a jet plane that's flying with the nose facing towards the ground, like, but going in a straight line. It's it's hard to explain, but so it was like a T shape almost. Now, again, before it got that close, I was thinking, okay, first of all, maybe it's an airplane, but then the lights weren't changed. So I'm like, Well, maybe it's a helicopter, but as it got closer, there's absolutely no sound, and that's what really made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up as it got closer to me. Is again, there's no sound whatsoever. So this thing comes and it just stops right above me and it's it's hovering there for a few seconds and I'm just staring at this, watching. I drew it down as fast as I could. I'm like, my mind's blown. Like this, I don't know what this is. And then it slowly starts moving on and it passes the highway. You know, I can see the highway and stuff from on top of this hill and it passes over this highway. There's this little core of trees, I guess you want to call it that, you know, this wooded area. And it stops over there, maybe a quarter mile away from me. It's still large, still there, still no sound, same color. And it stops and hovers there for a few moments. And then slowly starts moving and then shoots off in the, you know, like a rocket. It just shoots off in the air and disappears. I don't know what it was. I went to class the next day. I told my teacher about it, told the class. My teacher kind of laughed, oh, it's it's probably swamp gas or something. (laughs) <laughs> it was not swamp gas. I, I know what swamp gas looks like. I, I looked up images. I searched everything I could at the time. And this is before the time of commercial drones and stuff like that. There, there's no military bases around the right live, It's just a small town in Wisconsin. So I, I really don't know. When I say UFO, I'm not saying necessarily aliens. I'm just saying it's unidentified. I, I have no clue what it was. It wasn't ball lightning. I looked up images of ball lightning. It wasn't swamp gas that I know for sure. I, I really don't know what it was. It blew my mind. And what's funny is I was talking at Christmas with my younger sister is I told her about the podcast and everything. And, you know, she loves hearing the stories and everything. And I remember or she actually reminded me, I should say, uh, back when we were in like fifth or sixth grade, uh, she's a couple years younger than me. We used to have this balcony in our house that we'd sleep out in the summer, kind of camp out there and Cause I thought this was my first UFO story that I could recall, but she reminded me that, yeah, we were camping out there one night and we saw something similar, to the same thing. It was this T-shaped object, same color, you know, kind of slowly hovered down over us for a bit and was shooting all different patterns all over the sky. And at the time I tried to say, well, maybe it's a satellite, but it was way too big. It got way too close to be a satellite. So I was like, I don't know. I totally forgot about that. But that's, it's one of the most interesting UFO stories I've personally ever experienced.
1: If you look at the news, more and more and more reports are coming. Now, yeah, are some of those because of drones? Most certainly they are. And are some of them maybe because, you know, the US is developing its space force? Who knows what's involved there. I would think so. But I think it's too many to be just those explanations. And that's that's my that's the thing I always tell to people. First of all, you're not claiming that it's little green men, but you say, "Hey, I saw something very unusual. I know what I saw." And it wasn't a traditional plane or anything like that. And I think in the past, there's been, ha, 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 you saw a UFO. And I think that's really silly, particularly in light with the knowledge that there's so many Earth-like planets that – that they're almost by definition has to be life elsewhere. And even if it's in the extraterrestrial explanation, who knows, maybe these are interdimensional travelers. Maybe they're, uh, from an, a time travelers who, who knows what they are. But I think that it is becoming more and more clear that there is something what it is. We don't know, but there, there seems to be something.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I don't know if it's just because social media is so much more prevalent these days on the internet, you know, people sharing their stories a lot more, but I agree. I'm seeing a lot more things, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's actual news articles, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, is we've got to be careful because the the problem with that is, is that, you know, you you get more reports, you get more bogus reports, but within them, there's some really kind of mass sightings going on and with spiral ufos and all these different things so i think that we're getting to the and that that amazing navy footage of that tic-tac ufo i think we're getting to the point of saying hey something's really going on what it is we don't know but let's stop making jokes about it and let's start looking at it seriously and joe thank you for joining us today to tell your story
0: yeah it's been a pleasure
1: Well, next up on the campfire, someone from my hometown, May, is calling in. We've got to stick together because we have the Cleveland Browns here, and uh, it's a tough life, but but nevertheless, May, welcome to the show. Now, I know you have a story going back to when you were about 12 years old, and I love these childhood stories. Thanks for listening to us, and just for a couple months now, I guess, since uh, June, and, and thanks for telling your story. Tell us what happened.
6: I was in like sixth or seventh grade and my friend Camille was having a sleepover and there were probably about eight of us. So, you know, eight teenage girls, preteens, the best way to have fun was to try and scare each other. So someone said that they had heard of this game where you all sit in a circle and you hold hands and one person goes in the middle. And I guess you're supposed to try and like summon a spirit of some sort. I don't know what the whole... Goal was really, but um, everyone sits in a circle, holds hands, and starts chanting, This is gonna work for the person in the middle. They keep chanting this. So, the first friend that went in the middle, I mean, she's known to be dramatic, so <laughs> was a little skeptical when she went in there. And after about a minute, she started like hitting the floor and yelling. And then we broke hands, the and then she, you know, we switched to the next person. And again, the second girl is known for being exaggerative in her tales. So she's in there for about two minutes and she starts like sobbing and yelling mommy. And, you know, we broke hands again. And I'm like, okay, you guys are just, you're not taking this seriously. Like I'm going to go in the middle. I want to see what this is all about. So I go in the middle. I'm in there for like five minutes and I'm just focusing on everyone chanting, you know, this is going to work for the person in the middle. And after like five minutes go by, I hear my friend say, I think this is working. I can like feel it. So she asked me to say my name. So I did. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? This isn't working. So I opened my eyes and went to stand up and I was like stuck to the floor and my vision just went black. And then all of a sudden I like got really, really hot in this vision of this burning body, like up in flames convulsing on a, like a hospital gurney. Like that's all I could see. I could like smell the burning flesh. I was terrified. And the next thing I knew I was just sitting on the floor crying and all my friends were like rubbing my back and like, you know, they're like asking me what happened. I'm like, I I don't even know what just happened. I just, I don't want to play this anymore. Like get me out of here.
1: I don't blame you. My goodness. Wow. That's uh, that's something else. I mean, Now, how has that affected you going forward? I mean, some people like to do things like Ouija boards and stuff like that. Are you still, will you still do a seance type thing? Are you pretty much after that? You're like, I don't want that anymore in my life.
6: No, after that, it was like the weirdest, scariest experience. I don't even know how to like, it was like I was there and like, could just like feel and smell everything. And I'm like, I will never touch a Ouija board or (laughs) try and summon anything. I don't. That was the craziest thing.
1: Yeah, that was a that was amazing. And the thing was, is that you thought your friends were just exaggerating, pretty much.
6: Yeah, like I thought they were just making it up. I didn't believe them, but I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, that's a scary that you get that vision. I mean, that's just just horrible, absolutely horrible. Now I know you said you also had a couple of other stories that happened to you. One when you you were younger, in particular, around five years old.
6: Yeah, I was about five, and um, the way my room was set up then, my bed was right by the door, and my mom would always get ready in the morning in the bathroom right next to my room. So when I heard her in there, I knew, like, I knew I had a few more minutes to like lay in bed. And I woke up this one morning, and it was like still dark in my room, but there was this like this guy standing at the end of my bed, and he had, he looked like a detective. He was like wearing a long trench coat and a hat. And he just looked at me and like tipped his hat and then ran and jumped out my window. And then when I ran over to the window to like, I was on the second floor. I looked down and there's no evidence of a human anywhere. And I ran and went to tell my mom and she's like, oh no, you were just dreaming. I'm sure. No, there's no one in your room. Like that did not feel like a dream. (laughs) Like I got out of my bed to investigate.
1: Wow. And then you had another story. Light as a feather, stiff as a board, right?
6: Yes. Okay, that's another one back from the vault when I was like probably six or seven. And it was another sleepover. And I was like the one of the smallest people and I had never done light as a feather, stiff as a board. So they're like, okay, you go in the middle. And I don't know if they were like actually lifting me up or what was going on, but I felt like I was starting to levitate. When I opened my eyes, there was this like, shape hovering above me and it looked like it was reaching out to grab me to like pick me up it kind of looked like i don't know if you're familiar with pokemon sure it looked like haunter like the one ghost type like that's the best way to describe it like looked like he was just floating above me and like trying to grab me and carry me and then I screamed and we all ran upstairs <laughs> but
1: <laughs> do, do you think you're
6: more sensitive than most people it's hard to tell because I do have a lot of anxiety. So sometimes I can't tell if I'm like perceiving things or like, you know, if I'm feeling paranormal stuff or if it's just my anxiety, but I feel like I, I am sensitive. I'm open to it, you know?
1: Well, fascinating stories indeed. And, and just kind of that one with your, your friends that, that is really, really spooky. And may thank you so much for joining me. Always glad to hear from a, fellow Clevelander, indeed. We got to stick together. Thanks a lot, May. Thank you. Hey, a quick note, everybody. Come see me live at Zanies Nashville on March 24th. You can get your tickets today at jimharreld.com slash live. That's jimharreld.com slash live. We'll have some guests, campfire stories, of course, and some special surprises. So you'll not want to miss it. If you live in that Region within driving distance. Hope to see you there. Go to jimherald.com/slash live and get your tickets today. Thanks. Dylan is on the line from Louisiana. His friend Caleb told him about the show. So, my friends, when you're listening to the show, tell somebody else because they may too come back and pay it forward and be on the show and share a great story like Dylan is going to do tonight. And Dylan has this story about his childhood years some very strange things in a large house that he lived in. Dylan, welcome to the program. Thanks to you. Thanks to Caleb. And tell us your campfire story.
7: Uh, yes, sir. So it all started when my stepdad married my mom when I was younger. I was about nine years old. And I had a sister, a new stepsister. And we just had my baby brother. And Things slowly started to happen. My dad's more in touch with the paranormal than I am. It doesn't really bother him that much. He, he's really into paranormal things, so it didn't really bother him that much. But we had slow activity start at first. Uh, it was small stuff, like my baby brother's toys would be sitting in a room alone, and it would just go off. Like We'd turn them off, and they would just automatically start blaring kids' music and things like that. His radio would turn on and off, playing music constantly. It was just slow things like that. And then we lived on the separate side of the house from my parents. My sister, my brother, and me all lived on one side. My dad and my mom stayed in the room on the other end of the house. Me and my sister were young, so my dad would keep the bathroom light on, and it would light up the whole hallway because me and my sister were young. We were scared of the dark a little bit. And one night, uh, I, it just hit me. I had to go to the bathroom. So I stood up. I started walking into the bathroom, and from my doorway... I saw a shadow, and it was about the size of a, uh, a young kid. I thought it was my brother who was standing in the hallway. I saw it on the side of the wall, and I was like, oh, my little brother's in the bathroom. I wonder if he's okay. So I walked into the hallway to see nobody was standing there. I went in the bathroom. Nobody was standing there. I went to my little brother's room. He was asleep. So was my sister slowly things like that happen, I would I went back to my room, I didn't think about it. And it would happen every now and then where I'd walk into the hallway and I would see this shadow and I'd just turn around and walk over. I didn't think anything about it. So you
1: kept seeing this shadow, the shadow figure.
7: Yes, and it was like a small child and it was repeatedly it it the signs kept pointing to this spirit or entity, whatever this was, it was like attached to me, my sister, my brother. And my cousin stayed with us one night and he slept in my room. Well, my dad told me this story after the fact, and I got a little bit older and I can actually handle it. He told me that one night my cousin was staying over at our house, and he woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning and said, it sounds like kids playing. Like, he heard toys going off. He heard the laughter. So he thought we were up, so he went and went towards our end of the house to check on us to make sure we were asleep. And he heard it. He kept hearing it. And then when he got closer, it started slowly down and down because he thought we heard us. So when he walked in, he saw all the kids were asleep and the toys were just sprawled out all over the floor. Nobody was there, nothing. There was no sign of any. All of us were asleep. He, it freaked him out. And he just turned around, walked away, didn't think anything about it. It slowed down a lot. I mean, every now and then it would happen like we would have our TVs turn on and off without us touching it. Just slow and stuff like that. And as I got older, I got more into paranormal like my dad. He taught me a lot and he showed me a lot. So he always told me, you can catch, every now and then, cameras catch glimpses of ghosts. Like, people say they see orbs floating in the air. So we had these hunting cameras, trail cameras, and they're motion sensors. They take a picture when something's in front of it. And then we had video camera, and me and my cousin were thinking, let's set up these cameras around the house when nobody's home and see if we catch anything. Makes sense. We had video evidence of us walking through the living room. We found this after we checked them one day. We walked through the living room to go outside to play football or something. You see us walk through the, we're walking, and you see like three orbs right behind us us outside of the door. Whoa, that's weird. We had things like that happen all the time, Jim, all the time. We had, we filmed like this for about a month. I was just constantly filming. One day, it was like the afternoon. It was like middle of the day. Nobody was home. It was just me and my cousin and it was during the summertime It was summer break so we weren't in school or anything so it was like around lunch and we were like hey we're about to go to our friend's house let's set these cameras while we're not home and see what happens during the day so we grab our cameras and everything and then all of our equipment we had all of our cameras line cameras everything everything started malfunctioning we just recharged the cameras up it wouldn't turn on at all i took out the batteries to the trail camera i had the batteries in my hand jim and my camera turned on by itself and started taking pictures. Like, graphically, like, pop, 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 pop. Like, I have goosebumps right now talking about this. As we're looking at the cameras trying to figure it out, we're closer to the kids' side of the house. Nobody was home. My dad was at work. My mom was at work. It was just us. We heard from the other in the house. We heard, what are you doing here? In a very deep voice, that sounded like a man. It scared us so bad, Jim, that we took off out of the house. We ran down the street to my friend's house and called my dad, and we thought somebody was broke into our house. Nobody was there.
1: Wow, that's wild. That's wild. So, I mean, this continued the whole time you were
7: at at the house. Yes, sir. It happened until we moved out of that house.
1: And what do you think was behind it?
7: I, I don't know because it, 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 I don't know if it was multiple entities because the kid thing, I could see that being like maybe a young child lived there before the house was decently old. So I don't know if it was a child playing with children. I don't know. But I know that voice I heard the last time, the last big thing that happened at the house, that voice was not a child. Tim. That sounds like a grown man, like a voice deeper than my father's.
1: Yeah, that's freaky. And I, it sounds like it. it's kind of led to a lifelong interest in, in the paranormal.
7: Yes, sir. Um, that's why I listen to your podcast. I, I love this stuff. It might scare me, but I love it.
1: Well, Dylan, thank you so much. And thanks for Caleb telling you about the show. We appreciate that. And thank you for being a part of the campfire tonight. Thank you. Yet another campfire safely landed. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And I hope you'll come back next week and listen. Also, be sure to tell your friends and subscribe and follow wherever you listen. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. And as always, stay spooky. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Tune in again next time for more stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things.